You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 159, MAME. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flat. Today is April 19th, 2015, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about MAME. Now, as many of you know, I live in Oklahoma. It is tornado season. You may have gathered that by the last episode, which was all about tornadoes. And I was really worried about the electricity going out while I was recording this week's episode. So... I used a battery-operated cassette recorder to record the episode, and uh, fortunately, I can play that back through the data set connected to my Commodore 64. But unfortunately, I have lost the tape. It's somewhere here in this box of Commodore 64 games. So while I dig through and look for the cassette that I recorded this week's episode on, we have a little bit of time to chat during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. I have added another podcast to my belt. To my belt? Why would I keep podcasts on my belt? That'd be weird. I am now the new co-host of the No Quarter podcast, which is a weekly podcast in which I and Mike McGinnis discuss and play old arcade games. We use MAME to play these games and we compare high scores and we do lots of research about the games and it's a lot of fun and we do it every week. Carrington Vanston was the previous co-host of the show. Carrington retired from the show. Carrington does lots of other projects and other podcasts. So I am looking forward to seeing what uh, him retiring from this show frees up because I know it's just going to be another quality show of uh, some other subject matter. So I'm really looking forward to what Carrington does next, but I am now recording no quarter once a week. And that has, I don't want that to put a strain into my other podcasting schedules. And so what I have done is decided to release a show every Monday. If I keep to that schedule, that will actually be more shows than I have been putting out lately. But I'm going to alternate every other Monday. So this Monday is the You Don't Know Flack Monday, and next Monday will be Sprite Castle Monday. And so I will alternate between those two podcasts. Uh, If you enjoy Commodore 64 games, go check out Sprite Castle. If you enjoy hearing me blabber on about, uh, you know, this show originally started. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but this show originally started because I read an article about ways to promote your self-published book. And in 2006, I put out Commodore and I was looking for a way to promote that book. And that ended up becoming, you don't know flack, which has grown into it's, uh, I think by episode number two, I was already talking about non-technical things. I think episode two is about dungeons and dragons. Um, but I, I really enjoy, you don't know flack. I enjoy this time every week to sit down and Sometimes I do research. Sometimes they are just stories that I have. Sometimes they're subjects that I want to talk about. Sometimes they're subjects that I want to know more about. But uh, regardless of what it is, I enjoy doing You Don't Know Flack. So every other Monday is the schedule. And this Monday is a You Don't Know Flack Monday. I'm still doing throwback reviews with my buddies Sean and Zerb. We have pretty much moved that to a monthly show now. So if you want to hear the three of us talk about retro movies, Check out Throwback Reviews, and I am still doing Rusted Metal with my buddy Zerb, in which we are alphabetically going through our favorite heavy metal and rock and roll bands from the 1980s. So all fun, all good stuff, uh, great stuff to listen to. Uh, What else have I been working on? I have been recording the audio version of Commodore, my my, uh, first book. 
I tried winging. Well, let me let me explain what I'm doing. Uh, the original version of Commodore, the print copy of Commodore, has 13 chapters, and so what I'm doing on the audiobook of Commodore is creating half chapters, and these are chapters that go after those 13 original chapters. So the the audio version of Commodore will have a total of 26 chapters plus an introduction and, and an appendix. And so what these half chapters are, I didn't realize this, but I originally published Commodore almost 10 years ago. It came out in uh, 2006. And so these half chapters are a way for me to present the original material and the original chapters, but uh, also include updated information because it's it's 10 years later. And the cool thing about it is if you want to listen to the original Commodore, you can. You just have to listen to the fully numbered chapters, like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, the whole numbers. And if you want to listen to the behind the scenes kind of information, it's the half chapters. That would be 1.5, 2.5, and so on. So you can listen to just the additional information, just the original version of Commodore, or you can listen to it all the way through. And I've recorded um, three or four full chapters now, and it's going to be very long. So I'm always, whenever I charge money for a product, I always want to make sure people really get their money's worth. And I think people that are into audiobooks, whether some people uh, just don't like to read or they, they listen to books while they're in the car, stuff like that. So if that's the case, or you just want to get the new information, whatever, whatever you're interested in, I think uh, it's going to be worth the investment. So Let's see what else. This week, for me, I have to mention this, has been all Star Wars. Uh, I know Star Wars Celebrations was this weekend in California. I did not go to that. But they did release the teaser trailer number two to Star Wars The Force Awakens. And uh, it's a very cool trailer. You know, the original trailer, uh, teaser trailer, these are the original teaser trailer has a lot of characters that we don't know who they are and situations we don't know and ships we don't know and things like that. Well, this, the teaser trailer number two, boy, it sure fixed that. We get to see uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca. We get to hear Mark Hamill. We see R2-D2 and and we think we see Princess Leia's hand and and uh, we see the Millennium Falcon again and, and all kinds of cool stuff. So it's got me really excited about this new Star Wars movie. Now, I just found out, I just put two and two together. This Christmas, we are going on a vacation, and it looks like I will be uh, not near a movie theater on the day <laughs> that the new Star Wars film comes out. And I do not know what I'm going to do about that yet. Um, and there may be nothing I can do about it, but I have been to, other than the first film, uh, which came out when I was three years old, and I did see the first film very early on, but not the first day. But every other film I've seen opening day, uh, starting with The Empire Strikes Back. And on the uh, prequels that came out later, I saw some of those twice the first day. I saw Midnight Showing, and then I went back and saw it during the day. So I have a, a definite desire and want and need to see this new Star Wars movie on opening day. So I don't know how I'm going to facilitate that. Um, and if we had not already paid for a cruise if we hadn't been paying on this for a year, then I would walk away from it uh, because I would rather uh, see a new Star Wars movie on opening day than go on a cruise. But I like cruises. I just don't have a cruise room in my house, but I do have a Star Wars room. I also saw a trailer for the new Star Wars Battlefront, which looks so awesome. There have been many cases of me in my life buying video game consoles to play a Star Wars game. I bought the GameCube when Rogue Squadron came out. I wanted to play that game so bad. And I bought a Nintendo 64 for the pod racing game. And I bought, uh, what else? Maybe I bought a Dreamcast for a Star Wars game as well. Maybe I bought the Dreamcast for the Star Wars game. But regardless, I have purchased video game consoles specifically because I wanted to play a Star Wars game. Now, I do not have... PlayStation 4 or the new Xbox One, but I have seen this uh, supposed gameplay uh, engine rendered trailer for Star Wars Battlefront. I love the original Star Wars Battlefront, Battlefront 2. Uh, they were super fun games to play. I really, really enjoyed them, and this the footage on this new one looks so awesome that uh, I know that it's going to come out for PC also, but my PC is like not... <laughs> 
set up for playing modern games. I think it would just it would be a sad Star Wars day if I tried to play that on my PC. So maybe I'll upgrade my PC instead of buying a, a PS4 or a Xbox One. I don't know. We'll have to. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And finally, I also feel like I need to mention that this weekend was April 19th. This was the 20th anniversary of the Alfred P. Murrah building bombing from Timothy McVeigh. As you know, that I live in Oklahoma City. Uh, I wrote a couple of blog posts about that over the weekend. Uh, I have been down to the memorial several times. I've been in the museum before. So if you want to know more about that, you can check out my blog. I'm not going to fill up a lot of time on You Don't Know Flack about that. But um, uh, it was definitely a pretty solemn uh, weekend, you know, just reflecting on on all that stuff. Uh, so if you want to read more about, the, like I said, my experience with the, the Murrah building bombing or any of that stuff, uh, I, you know, I almost I was almost going to go into it on this episode. And I thought, God, I can't do it after the tornado episode. <laughs> I can't have two depressing episodes in a row. So uh, so I'll just leave it at that. If you want to read more about my experiences uh, with the, the Murrah bombing, uh, you could check out uh, the, the last few articles at robohara.com. I did want to mention that I, um, uh, I, I'm very excited. I've been very excited for a couple of months about the Raspberry Pi too. You know, I had a Raspberry Pi. I talked about a Raspberry Pi on a previous episode. And when the Raspberry Pi two was announced, I went to. I don't want to call out a company, but I went to the place where I bought my Raspberry Pi from the original one online, and they said, "Hey, buy a Raspberry Pi two. And I paid my money, and it has been. As of today, over two and a half months now. It has been over 10 weeks. I still haven't received it. And, and they don't have this. This company does not have uh, an email address listed on their website, which should be a red flag, right? But they have a 1-800 number. So I call the 1-800 number and I'm like, where is my Raspberry Pi 2? And they said, we are so far back ordered that it takes 10 to 12 weeks for a new Raspberry Pi 2. But what's ridiculous is I see all these other people online on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else that are posting about their Raspberry Pi 2. So apparently just this company is back ordered, but everybody else is having no problem getting Raspberry Pis 2. So I have been uh, complaining and bitching and moaning about this on Facebook. And one of my listeners, uh, whose name is Paul, said that he would send me that he purchased two Raspberry Pi 2s. He bought them, I believe, at a, a local electronic store and that he would send one to me and then I'm going to uh, pay him back. So anyway, that just arrived. And so that was a, a super, very friendly, very nice gesture. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that Raspberry Pi 2. I put it to use for this episode. So it is not sitting in a box collecting dust unused. It's not uh, being resold. I wouldn't do that. Um, it is it is getting some use, um, and it is is up and running here in um, Casa de Flax. So thank you very much for forwarding me that. And um, oh, hey, here we go. Look right here. Here is the uh, cassette tape that I recorded the episode of You Don't Know Flack on. So uh, we are done with uh, loading time. We don't actually have to uh, load it in. I'm just going to put this cassette in here. If you have any feedback about this episode or any other episode of the show in general, you can always email your feedback to me at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com or leave a message for me on the You Don't Know Flack voicemail box, which I've actually got some voice messages recently on. And I love getting those. And I'm just, I know the intro on this one is, is too long as it is, so I can't get into a lot of that. But maybe on the next episode, I'll share that stuff. I got a lot of uh, feedback on the tornado episode. And um, I don't really have time to read them all, but uh, I think there are a lot of people in the Midwest that can relate to that feeling of tornadoes and the fear of tornadoes and stuff. And, and uh, I didn't respond to a lot of the emails because I was going to address them here, and now this has gone on too long. I don't have time to do it. So uh, I'll probably just email everybody back. But thanks thanks for sending that stuff in, uh, for whether it was on the voice mailbox or through email. So anyway, let's get this cassette started with episode 159 of You Don't Know Flack, MAME. Now, if you're having a bit of deja vu, I talked about MAME and specifically building a MAME cabinet on episode 122 of You Don't Know Flack. That episode went live on February 10th, 2013. 
So I just listened to that episode and I'm basically – here's a a very, very basic summary of that episode. I talked about emulation. I talked about uh, the early days of emulation, like running NES games on Windows. I explained how emulators work. I talked about the early days of MAME, some of the platforms that MAME runs on. And then I got into building a MAME cabinet. So if you're interested in that information – you want to go back and find episode 122 of You Don't Know Flat. One thing I touched on in that episode is uh, in that hobby and the idea of building a main cabinet, that there will be lots of people telling you, though, no matter what you do, that you are doing it wrong. And I love this theme. It is uh, where people basically tell you, I know that you're enjoying what you're doing, but you're doing it the wrong way. And you shouldn't be enjoying it because that's not the way I believe you should enjoy your hobby. And that theme will come up again today as we talk about playing MAME on other types of platforms. So let's talk about MAME cabinets for just a second. And like I said, this episode is not about MAME cabinets. I want to talk more about MAME in general. But there are a lot of similarities between the hobby of car collecting, car restoration, and arcade cabinet collecting, arcade cabinet. Uh, restoration. So when I talk about classic cars, there are a lot of ways that people enjoy a classic car. Some people enjoy buying a classic car that is totally run down and fixing it up to where it's completely original, the way it came off the showroom floor. Some people like taking uh, buying cars that someone else has restored. Some people like buying uh, what we call a daily driver you know, an old car that uh, uh, isn't necessarily have a pristine paint job or, or anything like that. It hasn't been restored, but that you can drive it every day. Some people buy uh, old cars, you know, fixer-uppers, and they just enjoy them that way, and they're going to get around to restoring it or fixing it up someday. And, and all those uh, scenarios, there are parallels with arcade games, I think, of people that buy um, brand new arcade games, which are very expensive, but people do it. There are people that buy arcade games that someone else has, has restored. Uh, they've, they've fixed up, they've done all the work on. There are some people that buy, like I used to do buy fixer uppers. You can buy arcade games relatively inexpensively. If you're willing to put in some elbow grease, maybe some, uh, physical work like fixing cabinets or some electronic work to, uh, fix monitors and things like that. So uh, there, there's there's lots of different ways um, to enjoy the hobby. Now, when it comes to classic car restoration, you have to take into consideration. And here's a here's a great example. And I'm not going to talk this whole episode about old cars, but um, there are. Uh, we, I used to go to car shows. I still go to car shows with my dad from time to time. And we would always see uh, these Ford Cobras. We'd always see these old Cobras. And my dad would always like Shelby Cobra, you know. And my dad would say, you know, that it's not a real Cobra. There is no – there are no real Cobras around. And, and if you go online and look, there were only a 1,000 Shelby Cobras made. And I think they only know where 800 and something of those are today. And a lot of them are in museums and stored away. So a lot of what you see, when you see a Shelby Cobra at a car show, they're not real. They are kit cars. They are fiberglass kit bodies that people have purchased and put on other frames and put engines in and done all this work. And they are very, very good. And they're, they're fun. And they're expensive just because it's not an original doesn't mean that a lot of money didn't go into these cars, but they are not original. And so there's a thing where when you take MAME and you put it on a PC and you build an arcade cabinet around it, and so you're trying to recreate this feeling of – uh, this nostalgic feeling of being an arcade, standing in front of an arcade game and playing with joysticks, but it's it's not the real thing. It's never going to be the real thing. There are differences. There, you're not probably most people that have main cabinets don't put a quarter in to play the game. Um, most people that have main cabinets don't use real arcade monitors. Most people, I mean, the look of the cabinet is not going to be 
like the game you're playing. If you're playing Donkey Kong, you probably have not built a main cabinet out of an original Donkey Kong machine, or if you're playing Dragon's Lair or whatever, uh, because that's not the idea of a main machine. The idea of a main machine is that you play lots of different games, and so it doesn't really matter what the cabinet looks like. So it reminds me of the old joke where a guy asks a woman if she would have sex with him for $10 million. And the woman says, yeah, I, w- I would probably do that. And then he says, well, well, what about, uh, would you have sex with me for a dollar? And then the woman is very offended. And she says, well, what kind of woman do you think I am? And the man says, well, we've already established that, but now we're just, uh, haggling over the price. And so, um, <clears throat> what we've established with MAME and a MAME cabinet is that MAME is not going to be 100% accurate. Um, like I said, we have monitor differences. We have joystick and keyboard or, uh, you know, joystick and control panel differences. There's uh, the cabinet itself is different. So uh, to, to paraphrase from the joke, now we're just haggling over price. How authentic do you want it to be? How authentic do you need it to be? How important is that to you? I have a a standing comment I used to make to people uh, who would say, well, I would never – Commodore 64 emulation, I would never do that. I will only play Commodore 64 games on the original hardware. And I would always respond and say, I would love to see you do that on an airplane. I used to travel quite a bit for work and I would take my laptop and I had my Commodore emulator on my laptop and I would play Commodore games when I was on an airplane. Sometimes I do it now with uh, an iPad, you know, uh, when I would get to the hotel, I would fire up my uh, laptop sometime now, you know, with, um, most hotels that I stay at have flat screen TVs with HDMI inputs and in my laptop bag, I have a HDMI cable and I will, uh, you know, connect my laptop to the TV and play games that way. I've taken a Raspberry Pi to a hotel <laughs> and hooked it up to the TV with a keyboard and stuff. I do weird things at hotels. I like to uh, turn them into little mini vacations when I'm on the road. So, um, but, uh, and you know, this is funny. I never really thought about this before, but people always say, well, I don't want to do uh, emulation. I only want to do it on the real thing. But people have no problem watching a movie on their laptop in which you are kind of emulating a movie theater <laughs> in a way. I don't know. That's kind of a weird thought. But uh, the point is, is that everything has its place. There are times when emulation is a good solution. And there are times when the real thing is fun. And I enjoy the real thing. I love arcade games. I've owned close to 100 arcade games over the last 20 years. So uh, I, I love them. I love collecting them. I love the way they feel, the way they look. Uh, I don't love moving them so much. <laughs> I've moved my share of arcade games and, um, I have empty bottles of Dones back pills to prove it, but, um, emulation does have a place, you know? And so I enjoy playing these games. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I'll give you another example about how realistic do you want it? I have this great memory of being in seventh, maybe eighth grade. And I got invited to a birthday party. It was a a friend of a friend. And it ended up only being four people at the party. And we went to this party. I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but uh, to summarize it, we went to an arcade and the four, it was the first time I had ever seen Gauntlet. And so the four of us went and played Gauntlet and we had all these quarters and we just sat there, uh, you know, dropping in quarter after quarter and playing Gauntlet for, and it seems like hours. I'm sure it wasn't that long, but, but a really long time and just falling in love with that. Now I have had, uh, those friends over multiple times to my house over the years. Um, and when, uh, I think it was the Dreamcast came out, there was a Gauntlet game. It wasn't the original Gauntlet. It was like Gauntlet Legends, one of those. Uh, and I had a Dreamcast with four controllers and I had everybody over and I was like, let's play this game. And it wasn't the same. It was not the same. I was trying to recreate that memory and it, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same Gauntlet game. And we had a good time, but it just wasn't, uh, that same memory that I had. And so, uh, then I built a, a MAME cabinet. And I invited one of those friends over and I said, hey, let's check this out. And so we played Gauntlet. And, of course, it was, uh, you know, there's a button that you push on uh, the front of the cabinet 
for, and it was I only my cabinet only had two joysticks, so only two of us could play, and and um, it it wasn't the same as that memory I had as a kid, you know. And so uh, eventually, I ran across a Gauntlet Two cabinet, and I bought it. <laughs> and I had these same people come over, and I was like, and nobody else was asking me, like, hey, can you recreate this memory from our youth? This is just me doing this, and I had all these people come over. And uh, and we played Gauntlet too, and we're standing there, and I remember thinking, "Wow, my back really hurts <laughs> from standing in front of this machine for so long playing Gauntlet." And of course, I didn't have it set up to take you know quarters or anything, so we just had the the control panel flung open, and 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 whenever somebody's about to die, you reach down and just flick the little metal. Um, thing from the the coin slot and put a few more quarters in and we would play and play and I just finally realized like I have gone to all these links um you know over the years to and the last one being actually purchasing a gauntlet cabinet and inviting those guys over and even then it wasn't the same you know and so I kind of realized that some of those memories you're never going to be able to 100% replicate in your house you're never it's never going to be the way that we remembered it as kids being an arcade. It could be, I'm not saying it's not fun. I'm not saying it's not similar, but it's just not that identical. So that comes back to that other thought I had, which is how identical does it need to be? Or do you get the enjoyment from standing in front of a cabinet? And sometimes I do, but do you, is it okay if you want to play uh, you know, an arcade game. If you want to play Asteroids, how important is it that you play it on a vector monitor, which has a completely different look than a normal raster monitor? It has those lines that almost feel like lasers, like they're burning into your eyes. Um, and and it's I love those old monitors, but it's not as important to me to play it on that hardware. I'd rather just play the game. So I don't know. Um, Kind of a weird thought. So for this episode, what I'm talking about is letting go. I'm not saying letting go of playing arcade games only in arcade cabinets. But what I'm saying is, um, I guess I'm saying having an open mind to enjoying MAME in different ways would be a good way to put that. Now, once you start playing with that slider in your mind of how accurate does this need to be, one of the things, one of the points on that little mental slider that we are going to get to is your controllers. Now, people think of arcade controllers of having a joystick and buttons mounted to a control panel. Um, but I play MAME on lots of different types of hardware around my house. And um, that includes a lot of different controllers. So... Uh, you know, on my notes here, I kind of have the controllers listed before the the devices, but I guess it makes more sense to go through the devices and then talk about the controllers that I use with each one. So first of all, uh, I have my main computer, which is upstairs. Uh, it's my main desktop computer that I do all my uh, writing on and, and a lot of my surfing, internet surfing and things like that. And I have MAME on that. And I play MAME, when I uh, play MAME on that machine, I have an old... I think this is pretty old, is a Gravis uh, GamePad Pro. Now, the Gravis originally uh, had their GamePad. It was white, maybe a little bit off-white, and it looked like a, it was shaped like a Super Nintendo controller. And this is the one that came after that. It's a, it's a gray, kind of a uh, medium to dark gray, and it's shaped more like the original PlayStation controller. But it's USB. It has four buttons. I call them the Skittle buttons. They look like <laughs> Skittles. They're all different colors. Uh, and then it has two shoulder buttons on each side, and then it has a select and a start. Now, you can reprogram those if you want in MAME. In fact, the start button, a lot of people do select and start, and they change those to also map to uh, the coin up and the one player button. But uh, I actually have the start button uh, as a pause button upstairs. So as I'm playing or whatever, a lot of times I'll be playing games and I'll get a phone call or a, a tweet or a, a text or something like that. And I need to be able to stop the game real quick and pause it. So I, I have that button mapped to a pause button. But uh, for the most part for playing, you know, it, I mean, it has a D pad. So you're, you're playing with your thumb, uh, moving your character around or in your game, you're not using an arcade joystick. So that feeling of using an arcade control panel is not there 
but the games are still fun to play. So that that's one way that I play uh, MAME. Now, uh, in my living room, I have a PC that I talked about on a previous show that is uh, dedicated. It is hooked up to uh, the the TV that we have mounted to the wall. And it is a – I think it's a slimline, they call it, Dell a Tower. And um, I wanted that because I wanted to put a lot of different emulators on it and I wanted to do some different things with it. So I, I just wanted it. There are other solutions. I'll give you that. Uh, but that's what I wanted. So I got that hooked up. And I bought the um, wireless Bluetooth adapter that hooks up to Xbox 360 controllers. So I bought two Xbox 360 controllers and the little dongle that hooks to that. So I can sit back on the couch, use the Xbox controllers. And then I put a front end on that. And a front end, uh, if you're not aware, MAME originally, well, in the old days, MAME was a command line. And there still is a command line version. Uh, and so you would type MAME space and the ROM name space. And then you would put all your command line switches for maybe resolution or or different effects you want on it, things like that. Uh, and then they also have the graphical GUI versions, which they release, which is what I have on my computer. But um, but a, a front end is something that you can control much easier, especially if you put it in an arcade cabinet or, uh, in that case, like I have the uh, uh, machine that's down in my living room, I don't want to have to find a keyboard and hook it up if I want to play a game. So with this front end, I can choose whatever game I want through... Uh, the controller and and we have it actually configured where there's it plays a lot of different emulators. So if I want to play Atari or Nintendo or Super Nintendo or anything like that, it does that as well. But uh, when it boots up, it goes basically right to the main uh, thing. And I do have those set up where you can put in the coins and player one and all that stuff all from the joystick. So you don't ever have to uh, unless something goes wrong. Now, you know what I did was I use um, Real VNC, which is a product I got a long time ago, and, and um, it's a great product. Um, it is one that you have to purchase, but I really like it. And I have Real VNC running on that machine. So uh, if I need to, I can just remote into it. And, uh, you know, fix things or whatever. And incidentally, that machine is called uh, the Whopper. It's W-O-P-R, which you might recognize from War Games. And, uh, you know, it's a machine that's built to play games. So it's the Whopper. So that kind of makes sense. But, yeah, it's – so that one is different in that it has a front end on it. And it's also different uh, that it's using the Xbox 360 wireless game pads. Which, by the way, the D-pads on those are not great for old school games. The little analog stick is a little better, but it takes, again, getting used to. I played um, a lot of Donkey Kong on my 60-in-1 arcade machine, and you get used to doing the little tricks, the little nuances for controlling the barrels and for, uh, you know, on different levels, there are things that you can do to to um, get bonus points and things like that, and it's not as easy to do with that Xbox controller. It's a lot easier to do with the arcade stick. Um, upstairs, I have the Raspberry Pi. Uh, there are builds for the Raspberry Pi you can download. There's one uh, called Pi Play. It used to be called Pi Mame, and you just download this, and it installs. And and um, I'm not a Linux guy. Of course, the Raspberry Pi is all revolves around Linux right now. Uh, I say right now because the Raspberry Pi 2 is supposed to be able to run uh, the mobile version of Windows 10 when it's released. And actually, you'll get a free copy of Windows 10 when it's released. But the Raspberry Pi is a 700 megahertz machine. Uh, the original uh, AMBs were 700 megahertz. And so to get... MAME to work on that, they've used a really old build of MAME. I believe it's uh, 0.37, where on my computer we're up to uh, 160. So there's a a huge discrepancy between the old version that they have that runs on the Raspberry Pi and and the modern versions. Um, But it does work. Now, when I got the Raspberry Pi that I mentioned earlier in the show, the Raspberry Pi 2 uh, that I mentioned earlier, it... uh, now they have a quad-core processor, which is a huge leap from the original single-core, and it's 900 megahertz instead of 700 megahertz. But MAME does not care about multi-core processors. It only uses one processor. So it's not able to harness all the processing power of the new Raspberry Pi 2. And the emulators for the Raspberry Pi haven't yet been rewritten to uh, take advantage of that bump in speed. So... 
Uh, I, I tried Pi Play on the Raspberry Pi and the Raspberry Pi 2. I got pretty much the same performance, but what I'm really looking forward to is uh, new emulators that will take advantage. And we're starting to see things like PlayStation emulation, Dreamcast emulation uh, on the Raspberry Pi. So that's really exciting too. But um, yeah, there, there's not any huge bump in performance for MAME, but I'm going to say yet because I got a feeling that's coming. But uh, I bought years ago when I was traveling a lot for work, I bought a controller that looks like a Super Nintendo controller, um, but it's USB. And that I've plugged right into the Raspberry Pi and it recognizes it and uh, it works right out of the box. So I don't know the brand name. If I find the brand name, I'll put that in the show notes. But uh, but that's what I play MAME with on the Raspberry Pi, that little uh, Super Nintendo looking USB joystick. It worked right out of the box. There was no configuration issues, nothing like that. Uh, and it's pretty good. Uh, you know, it works for MAME. Again, it's, uh, you're, you're playing with your thumb instead of with a joystick, but if you can get over that, then, um, then it works okay. I also have MAME installed on the Nintendo Wii, and you use a Nintendo Wii controller for that, so, <laughs> again, uh, authenticity is right out the window with that. And I believe that it is one of the same older versions, uh, and you know what, we don't really use our Nintendo Wii that much anymore, um, but, uh, you know, it was more of a gimmick, I think, to get that to get MAME running on it, but it does work. I mean, it works pretty good. And, and, um, especially if you're playing older style games, eight bit games, 16 bit games, stuff like that, uh, it works for that. So, um, what else? Now I did purchase, I mentioned around Christmas and I'm still wanting to do an episode about this, about the, um, it's called a JXD S 7,800 B. It is an Android tablet that has physical game controls on the sides of the tablet. And so, uh, and so it has a physical D-pad. It has physical analog joysticks and buttons and shoulder buttons. And uh, I've installed MAME on that. And it, it's the same thing. It works pretty good. You know, it's the uh, – uh, um, it does have a multi-core processor. But like I said before, MAME doesn't really take advantage of that. But I played some older games on it, and they, they seem to play pretty good. And that's a – I enjoy that on the go. You know, I have that thing in my laptop bag. And I haven't gone on a work trip – since I've had it. So uh, I keep saying that when I go on the next work trip, I'm going to take this thing and really learn the ins and outs of this little tablet. But uh, so far in the last few months, I haven't gone on a trip. So that that's really why I've kind of been putting off talking about that thing because I just have so many other things going on right now. Uh, then there's the original Xbox, which a lot of people put um, – uh, there were different – I guess you would say operating system that you could reload your Xbox with once you flashed it or, or um, hacked it and and it had emulators and they had MAME and stuff on that. And a lot of people used that. I used that back in the day and some people still use it. And uh, I actually have a modded Xbox that I gave uh, to my dad because uh, uh, his, uh, my sister's kids would go over there and we're looking for games to play. And so you could just boot this thing up and it has games on the hard drive, but it also has um, emulators and stuff built in. So I, th I think uh, they like playing MAME on that. And uh, what else? Oh, you know what? Um, I did. I think I did an episode. And yeah, I did uh, do an episode of You Don't Know Flack talking about the iCade, which is the little mini arcade cabinet that works with iPads. Of course, it, it's Bluetooth, so it would work with uh, any tablet, uh, but that supports Bluetooth anyway. But um, I enjoy, I mean, it has some really, uh, the joystick and the buttons on that I do really like. I know a lot of people go through and have upgraded those. Uh, you know, they they want uh, arcade quality buttons. I don't really have a problem with the, the buttons and the joystick on that thing. Um, but that thing is fun. It's fun to go in there and just drop the iPad in and, and boot up a game. I, I, you have to... I think at this point you have to have jailbroke your iPad to get MAME on there, which which mine is jailbroken, and I have all the MAME stuff on there. But it works pretty good. It's surprisingly fun, and the the iPad screen is is big enough to to play games on and stuff. So that is uh, another way to play MAME. Again, not authentic. <laughs> There's nothing authentic about. Uh, I mean, it's better because you have the physical controls, and even the the controls on that. Um, feel more authentic in a way than, uh, you know, using a, a game pad or whatever. I also have, 
I bought at a thrift store, I bought this a long time ago, a Namco PlayStation controller. And it looks like, it almost looks like the old NES Advantage joystick. It's like a, a metal, or yeah, it is metal uh, platform and it has uh, arcade buttons on it and an arcade stick. Mine's uh, gray and then the buttons and the stick are, are yellow. And um, I used to have a um, PlayStation to USB adapter, and I cannot for the life of me find this thing. So, you know, I had the PlayStation. Actually, uh, I, I want to mention one other kind of controller. I had these Mad Cats controllers uh, a long time ago. They were PlayStation, and they looked almost like NES controllers. They looked similar to that. They were rectangular and they had the – I mean, they had all the controls you would need for a PlayStation. They had the analog sticks and all the buttons and stuff, but they were shaped like an NES controller. And so I, I bought this uh, PlayStation adapter so I could plug those into my laptop when I was traveling. Well, at some point I've lost the adapter. <laughs> I don't know what happened to the adapter. So anyway, uh, I got this Namco stick from a thrift store for like $3.00. And I've I've had it sitting in the garage, and now that I've I've started recording no quarter, I'm like I should get that working on my PC. And so, uh, somebody had spilled Coke inside, so all the buttons were really sticky and they weren't working right. So I cleaned all the buttons out. I took all this thing apart. I got it all working. Brought it in the house, and now I can't find that stupid PlayStation adapter. So I'm really looking forward to playing games with that. Um, but right now I can't, and so I ordered an adapter. I found an adapter on Amazon for $4, and it says, works great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I just – and then it said free shipping. I'm like, free shipping of $4? That's crazy. So I, I clicked on it, and it's been a couple of weeks, and I went back and looked at my order, and I just realized that it's shipping from China. So I have no idea what kind of shipping speed one gets when you order uh, a $4 item and choose free shipping from China. But it should be here about 2019 is my guess. So, But when it does arrive, I will give you an update uh, and we will talk about the uh, how that controller works with MAME. I mentioned uh, having a front end. There are lots of front ends out there. Um, I use one that's called Maximus Arcade, but um, uh, Hyperspin is a very popular one. There's several out there. Um, and really what I would do, uh, one thing I would do is if you're looking for a front end, look, go look and see when that was last updated. And I'm not saying that the older ones aren't good, but a lot of them have been abandoned over the years. So if you're looking for, you know, a new emulator or something new comes out, you may not be able to get that to work with an older front end. Another thing is depending on how um, flexible you want your front end. If you just want it to control MAME, you're in luck because that's what most of them do. But uh, a lot of people want them to also launch different things like a jukebox maybe, like an MP3 player or or to play music videos, things like that. So uh, just take a look. Before you invest a lot of time, You know, check out YouTube and look at other people that are using that front end and see how they have it configured and what it looks like and what it does. Now, MAME has a lot of features that I don't normally use um, when I have MAME running in a MAME cabinet. Uh, One of those is save states. Now, save states are different than an arcade game that has – well, arcade games uh, by design really didn't allow you to save where you were or pause uh, the game. Um, And that's another good point too is that um, in MAME, if you press P – on the keyboard that will pause the game. So uh, when you have it in an arcade cabinet, a lot of people don't have a button dedicated for uh, P. <laughs> uh, or, you know, some people have uh, like shift and a button does does different things on a, a main cabinet. But it it's a lot easier if you're just sitting on a computer, you can hit P and pause the game. Uh, but save states allow you to freeze basically a game in memory and then you can load that game back up at that exact point. So uh, one example would be just, just so you – let's say for whatever reason you're playing um, – let's say you're playing a video poker game and you uh, get dealt a king and you don't know what your other card is yet. No, that's a bad example because you wouldn't be the dealer. Let's say uh, you have a, a king uh, and a, a two. And so you definitely want to take a hit but – you know, there's a possibility that you could bust too, right? So you could save, hit the save state and save that game into a slot. 
Uh, and then you do a hit, and let's say you get a king. Well, uh, now you've busted. So you could go back. You could load that previous save state, and the game would jump back to that point you were in time where you had the king and the two, and now you might stay. Now, I'll tell you something interesting is if you do a hit and you get a different card, that would be interesting <laughs> because that would kind of show you that the game might be either cheating uh, or that the cards are random, that they're not uh, – haven't been – they're not acting like an actual physical deck of cards. Um, but save states are something that you could do in MAME. And like I said, it's not that you can't – you couldn't do it in a MAME cabinet, but you have all these different keys that you have to hit that are on a keyboard. So in a MAME cabinet type of scenario, you wouldn't be able to access uh, you know, saving and loading uh, states. Now, a lot of people, if you have uh, – um, if you're playing it with a, a controller – uh, you may program the shoulder buttons to do different things like load a save state or save a same state, um, but it, but it's a lot easier to just do that stuff with the keyboard in my opinion. Uh, there are also cheat files that you can find in main that you could load up. Uh, screenshots is something I do a lot with no quarter or um, just different projects is loading up a game and, and I think it's just F12 in MAME. takes a screenshot and, um, and I already mentioned uh, pausing game. So, um, those are all things that are easier, more easily done if you're playing on a computer or, um, uh, you know, have configured your own thing versus a main cabinet, I guess. So there are advantages to playing MAME not in a main cabinet. Um, like I said, you could be uh, more comfortable. You know, I, I play MAME downstairs with those wireless Xbox 360 joysticks. I sit on a leather couch and have my feet up and, and play Tetris with my wife and, um, that sounds weird. I play Tetris alongside my wife. Like I don't play Tetris with my wife. <laughs> sounds very weird. Um, but uh, the two of us play Tetris together. I guess that's a better way to say that. Uh, and we sit on the couch and we do all that. She has no interest in standing next to an arcade game or whatever, but she'll sit on the couch, you know, and, and uh, I'm like, oh, you want to play a quick game of Tetris? We fire up that machine and do that. Um, I mentioned the portability, you know, being able to play it uh, when you go on a trip. Or not, you're in a hotel or wherever. Um, and um, again, it's a lot more easily uh, upgraded or reconfigured than a MAME cabinet. Um, you can, you know, when I built my first MAME cabinet, uh, and I talk about this on episode 122, but I, I wanted it to look inside like an arcade game. So I took the motherboard of the machine out and mounted it to the wood, and I took the hard drive and mounted it. Um, and that was a really cool way to do it until I needed to work on the machine and do all this. And then it was a huge pain in the ass cause I couldn't take the machine out of the cabinet and it was in my arcade. So, you know, I, I couldn't, um, uh, I didn't have wireless network back then. So I had to run this network cable to it and hook it up to my laptop and try to remote in it. It was just a pain, you know? So, um, as new versions of MAME are released, you know, if you're doing it on a computer or a Raspberry Pi, things like that, you just update MAME and, and put your copy your new ROMs over and you're done. When, and uh, if you have put a computer, a dedicated computer in a cabinet. Now, if you have a, a MAME cabinet, you may not want to upgrade it. You may not want to mess with it. You may want to just set it up and leave it alone, and that's fine. But uh, as MAME moves forward, you know, they, they tend to add uh, new games that it's compatible with and improve old games that didn't work right. So there there is an advantage to uh, to updating those things. One thing about playing MAME on things that are not uh, in an arcade cabinet is it kind of – it makes me feel like you're not part of the arcade community. In other words, there are people that are into arcade games, but they're not into – it's not the games they're into. It's the cabinets they're into. So when you talk to people and they talk about Miss um, Pac-Man, they don't want to talk about how good they are at Miss Pac-Man. They want to talk about what you know color of blue that cabinet is or how to – restore, you know, a bezel or how to change things on that cabinet. It's not the game they're interested in. So, um, and when you're, when you're talking about main cabinets, arcade people don't want to talk about main cabinets. <laughs> um, it's two different things in their mind. It may be similar in your mind, but it's not in their mind. Arcade collectors, a lot of times just don't want to talk about main cabinets. And so by, um, you may find that the people in that community don't want to talk as much about just playing MAME on a on a computer. But it 
again, I don't, I don't care what those people think. I mean, uh, that sounds weird, but I, I mean, I'm not playing a game the way that I want somebody else to, I don't need their approval that I like playing that game. If I want to play the game, however I want to play it, that's fine. You know? So I don't know, but, um, it, but it does get you away from the arcade community in a way and more towards the emulation community. Uh, and, and it's just different, you know? So it's, um, a different way of, uh, thinking about games, enjoying games. But, um, when it comes down to it, it's really about what, how do you enjoy it? How do you enjoy playing games? Now, I will tell you, I've spent this entire episode talking about how you don't need a MAME cabinet to enjoy MAME. That being said, I'm getting ready to start building a MAME cabinet <laughs> because I'm insane. Uh, but uh, for for no quarter, I think um, I'm going to start doing that. So th- there are just different ways to enjoy it. So don't limit yourself to one ideal way of playing games. Don't say, I won't be happy until I have this. I won't be happy until my cabinet does this, or, you know, it looks like this or whatever. Don't limit yourself. Um, if you want to play MAME on a PC or Raspberry Pi or an Xbox or Nintendo Wii or your iPad or, or Android tablet, whatever, um, that's okay. You know, and that's what I'm saying basically. So, um, now what I want you guys to do is uh, for this episode, I want you to send me feedback about how do you play MAME? How do you enjoy MAME? Do you, what devices do you play it on? If you have a MAME cabinet, send me a picture of the cabinet. If you uh, play it in the living room or on, you know, whatever, uh, email it to me uh, or send me a picture or whatever, or just drop me a line because I want to know how you uh, enjoy playing MAME as well. That wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of You Don't Know Flack, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodork. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. That's all one word. Or leave me voicemail on the You Don't Know Flack podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. You Don't Know Flack is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the You Don't Know Flack RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out my Commodore 64 themed podcast, Sprite Castle, at spritecastle.com, and Throwback Reviews at throwbackreviews.com. Both of these shows are also available at throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flack.